Thank you. Welcome to Schmears the Deal. What's up, Jake? I'm Nick Feynman here with Jake Seawalk. Jake, where are we today? We're at H&H Bagels on the Upper East Side. Although it's, it's technically called H&H Midtown Bagels East. Important distinction. Um, we are at 81st and 2nd. Correct. I would I would call that the Upper East Side. I mean, Midtown um, ends technically at 59. Technically. We looked that up We earlier. did look that up. Uh, it's, it's really nice in here. Pretty old school. Only a few very small round tables. Uh, old drink refrigerators. With this this looks the most like a deli we have of a place we've really been in. I mean, well, Barney Greengrass. I mean, you're is more sitting next to. So we're currently sitting next to just a wall of food behind a glass. If you uh, guys, wall. when you walk into a deli, all those glass counters, you can see everything they have to offer. I'm next to the Boar's Head section. He I has have cheese and all sorts of meats. I, I have all it's, sorts of lunch meats. And I'm, right. I'm fortunate enough, I'm sitting next to just four enormous slabs of salmon. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty cool. We're, we'll take a picture of that and make sure. We'll post that somewhere, absolutely. So, that, so that's where we are. We're eating some bagels. We're drinking some coffee. We're having a good time. We got to get dessert. I, I forgot to order that the first time around. We'll get that during one of the breaks. <laughs> Another Hermantaschen, or is that? Do they? I wonder if they have. We will. We will ask. We'll, we ask, will ask. We'll inquire. So today we ordered pretty standard order for us, I would say, which has been I have adopted since this show has started, which is a bagel. With this time, it's not an everything bagel. It's plain and sesame, with lox and scallion cream cheese. But before we jump into that, I just want to make sure we outline what we're going, what we're talking about. That's correct. Thank you. So, well, first we're going to do our bagel review. Then we're going to have our Mensch and Schmuck of the Week, our recurring segment. Then we will do our movie review of The Martian, our second in the best picture movie reviews. And then Jake's in need of a napkin. As for the usual, I have cream cheese all over myself. And then we'll finish up with uh, our take on the Iowa caucuses. Not necessarily who's going to win or exactly the political breakdown Although we'll mention that, but specifically what to expect from the Iowa caucuses and what really a more it behind the scenes exactly on what on what happens. But most importantly for this show, or I would say very importantly, Jake, what do you think of the bagel? So so far, they didn't have everything bagels, which which is okay. I was talking to a few of the guys back there behind the counter, and they were saying that even though the everything bagel is the most popular bagel, it's not actually the best. They recommended the plain and the sesame, so we got both and we split them. I've currently only dug into the plain with scallions bread and Nova Lox, and I think it's the bagel might be the best bagel we've had, but I think that the schmear is so-so, and the fish is a little fishy for me. Really? That is not my take specifically. I, the bagel is very, very good. The bagel is great. It's up there with the best bagel we've had. I think I'm not a huge fan of the of the cream cheese, the schmear, but the locks I think are the best locks we've had. Interesting. It's a very it's a very this this is a good challenge for our number one right now. A couple also a couple of announcements. We are debuting this week. We will debut a top ten bagel list on our website. Although we haven't you can quite gotten out. to ten yet, so. It'll debut at five or so. Correct, and then we will we will go from there as we add more. This is this is we'll see we'll have to talk about it. For me, this is number two right now behind Barney Greengrass still, but it's I, really good. He's <laughs> Jake is a man distraught right now over that comment. It's, no, no, no. It's it's behind Barney Greengrass for me. Um, it's I'm having a hard time placing it in relation to Black Seed. Well, so this was our this was our test last week. Would you get it again? 
Well, the problem with this is it's that's slightly different from last week because this is so much farther out of the way. So it's a little bit harder to put that into context because it's a lot easier for me to go back to Bagel Boss even if I think it's a slightly lesser bagel than here. But we said that but would, I would be the baseline. I would get it again. I would get this bagel again. I would too. It's really good. It's very good. Uh, I don't want my comments earlier to take away from that. It is a very good bagel. I think that it's number three for me still. But we'll talk about we can We can argue we that will, more. We will calibrate that more. We'll calibrate that more. I think Nick and I were talking about it on our drive up here that we're going to have some pretty heated arguments about where to place well, here's, bagels Well, here's list. where we sort of had a schism. Was that Jake? I wanted to do two lists because I figure naturally we'll we would, we exactly. would differ. Jake wants to have one definitive. I want to. I want to create the definitive top. I want people when they think of when people turn to the internet and say, "Hey, I want to find the what's the best. What are the top ten they bagels?" Schmearsthedeal.com. They go to schmearsthedeal.com. They come to us and see what we think is the best. Uh, what we think the best ten bagels are. We have a long way to go if we want that, but we'll work on it. So we I think have, we have almost no bagel clout right now. A very we, little. We need bagel to really clout. work on our bagel clout. Game. <laughs> we're working, it would start with having ten bagels. Right now we only would, have five. So we'll start with that. <laughs> we are working on it. I would say more importantly than that, though, is the announcement that will be on iTunes. Uh, please, please, please go subscribe. That'd we are officially on iTunes. Please leave a review if you like it or hate it. I guess. I mean, mostly if you like it, I'd say. Don't leave a negative review. The thing is, if you hate it, you... That's a bummer. The thing... You've searched so far and wide to get to a very specific bagel podcast that to review it negatively is... You've taken a lot of time. You might as well like it. That's true. That's true. I think is is pretty fair. So, uh, and one thing before we forget, just want to give a shout out to the manager here, uh, to Darren, who has really, really been great. Yeah, he's been a homie. And they reserved a table for us, which is pretty cool. So, <laughs> nice laminated sign. I wasn't expected. Yeah, it was very nice. Very, very nice. Really, so, really nice hospitality here. Thank you very much to H&H Bagels. Before we move on from the review, I want to say that this is easily one of the best cups of coffee I've had. And the pickle's the best. This coffee well. is so good. I don't know. It could just be like Folgers, but something about it. It could just be that I was pretty tired when we walked in. <laughs> and I was having a coffee little bit slightly larger hankering for coffee than I typically do. But it's a great cup of coffee, and I'm very pleased with it. It is good. I will say also the people that are in here, it's sort of they're patron-like, like like other places similar, we've been. Yeah. But it seems like, I mean, some people That's left. That's something I've noticed about bagel shops, the, really the, the big ones. You you have the smaller places called Daily Bagel, etc. Then you have the more establishment joints, like the Bagel Boss, like the Barney Greengrass, like the H&H where we are now. And in those places... They basi- there's basically one per neighborhood or, or one per every five, six, seven, eight block radius. And they have very loyal followings. Very loyal followings. It's, it's almost a community of sorts. It I is. Would say. I totally agree with that. And you see it in the age of the patrons, too. It's people who this isn't not only are they not here. Not their first bagel. <laughs> not their first bagel rodeo? Too, f- that. too far. But the people that are here, it's this is... Nick's the, been on a, just a wild dad humor tear i have been and it's part of part of working in tv (laughs) they have we have lower thirds we have to come up with and it's like the story bar that plays while while the segment's on and they are like dad humor central pretty much like the one we did we had the slaughterhouse cow there was a cow that ran away from the slaughterhouse 
and the story best story bar we came up with was the Gray's Escape. <laughs> for, for example, or a rare experience. <laughs> and it's that's, that's truly, truly. It's funny, that though. sort of thing that that's, is. The thing is, that's top level dad humor, <laughs> right? That's well, you can't do better than that. Well, that, this is you know, this is network TV dad humor. That's a different. That's a different thing. Yeah, that's how many people watch three and a half million. About yeah, About. you got You have to be on y- your dad. Your humor dad humor game has to be on point. <laughs> the best one we've ever, the best lower third we've ever had, was a man. Uh, was a man had created a cake with the ISIS flag on it as a freedom of speech thing because oh, yeah, you yeah. couldn't have the Confederate flag, and our lower third was the ISIS on the cake, <laughs> 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 which to me I think tops out. Anyway, I'm gonna grab uh, a little more of this bagel, finish it up, and uh, we'll take a little break. We'll be right back. This is Schmears the deal. I feel like this is exactly like sex for me. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like sex. Me, the comedian, playing the role of the man, and you, the audience, the role of the woman. Because it's my job to satisfy you. And you just have to sit there. Welcome back to Schmears the Deal. I'm Jacob Seawalk, along with my good friend and... I guess we're co-workers now. Compadre? Col- we're colleagues. I wouldn't say co-workers. <laughs> colleagues. Yeah, you're like, you You sit in the cubicle across from me just at a bagel store. <laughs> pretty, pretty much the level so we're at. my colleague, Nick Feynman, um, we're back for segment two. The giant and slabs of salmon still next to Jake. Still next to me. Still here. So we'll lead off this segment with our, our recurring bit. Uh, mention schmuck of the week. Let's. Let. I think a mint is... Like a superhero. They're looking at him like, what a schmuck. All right, you want to lead us off with the mensch? Sure, I absolutely do. So uh, our mensch of the week is Rich Chavkin. You probably have never heard of him. Boy, have I not. (laughs) He is the Georgetown announcer who, the other day, Georgetown had an amazing comeback versus Creighton. And he had one of the best radio calls I've heard in a long time. And I grew up listening to this guy right for the, for the listeners that aren't familiar with nicholas's background he's a washington dc native i am and a con- consistent i like to describe it as a consistently depressed dc sports fan but georgetown has been good over my lifetime you grew at up some following point. georgetown sports some somewhat I, it's tough being in a big city you're not <laughs> jake needs another napkin no big surprise here you big guy we're out now though so watch yourself I'll just use this one. Growing up, growing up in a big city, it's hard to be a big college college sports fan, in general. Yeah. And so, hold on, I'm going to pull up this clip for Jake to watch, and I would love, I would love his reaction really quickly. Pelican drives to the rim, puts it up, no basket, no basket, no basket. I is win, 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 I is win. Highest win! 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 19 times. He's like high fiving fans. He's freaking out. That's unbelievable. That's really hilarious. So he's been the Georgetown announcer since 1974. Looks like he's been the announcer since 1944. Well, yeah, he looks. He's someone. He still gets dressed up for the games. He's wearing like a coat and tie. Which I really appreciate. Anyway, he 
so far, it, to me, is the biggest match of this week. I grew up listening to him. Rich Chavkin, big shout-out to you, buddy. And with that, we'll move on to the schmuck. Who you got, Co- I have co-schmucks of the week. Ooh. Very quick. There are a lot of schmucks in the world, I will First say. is a sanitation worker was arrested in Queens for claiming that he'd been pistol-whipped while clearing snow in Queens. <laughs> Turns out that he was actually beaten up by two men after harassing a prostitute. Oh man! And lied so to his he was pi- he was pistol whipped though. No, he was just beaten up by some dudes. <laughs> Second guy, and this is I don't know if you ever followed the Darwin Awards when you were a little younger. I did. Great there book. Was, here's the headline of a story: is pantsless man. <laughs> Great way to start it. Pantsless man <laughs> killed in crash while watching porn on phone. Wow. So there was a guy in. Michigan in Detroit who was watching porn on his phone, pants down in the car. In the car, driving? Driving, rolls the car, immediately ejected from the vehicle, dies on site. <laughs> so those are my two schmucks of the week. A little bit of a down week for the schmuck, I think. I don't know. Those people are both pretty schmucky. Honorable mention to, to B.O.B. for believing the earth is flat. <laughs> and Neil deGrasse Tyson for ripping him to shreds. I would give him a more of a mention nod than a schmuck nod. Oh, absolutely. Though. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So let's move on to The Martian. Absolutely. So this is our this is our second review of Best Picture Reviews. We did Bridge of Spies last week. We'll be doing The Martian this week. A quick recap. Sure. It's directed by Ridley Scott, starring Matt Damon. Basically, Matt Damon is it's on screen. It's basically Matt Damon. I mean, you also a have... Of, a lot of the time. A... A pretty strong cast ensemble, but they aren't supporting him. You have Jessica Chastain, Jeff Daniels, Michael Pena, Kate Mara, Sebastian Stan, Chewie Telegia Four. List goes on. And well, I want to bring up Jeff Daniels separately a little later on because okie doke. Well, I don't understand his casting in general or his appeal, but that's I like Jeff Daniels. That's a whole. So maybe I just am biased against the newsroom. Maybe. Which which could be fair and dumb and dumber. What do you uh, what do you think of this movie though? I thought the movie was really good. I thought it was enjoyable. I liked the plot. I thought Matt Damon was great and very well cast. I liked the. I thought it was it, the sound was really great of the whole thing. It's pretty hard to make a desolate planet interesting, and Matt Damon and the soundtrack and everything made it very interesting. I thought it was sort of. It's similar to a past movie, which is. It's similar to a past movie, which was Gravity, which is in space, in that it's in space, it's sort of lonely in a lot of ways. It's one character on the screen a lot of a lot of the time. But it's it and it's well shot as well, but there's a humor element to this and there is a amusement element to this of Matt Damon. He was nominated at the Golden Globes in the comedy categories. Exactly. I mean it was it was funny and you know, when he he starts yelling at Mars and has has the comedic relief with the music on the planet as well, or with the music he's stuck with on the planet as well, is pretty good. What did you? I mean, what did you think? I thought it was good. So I mean, my gripe with but it but is not that best. I mean, my gripe with this doesn't just doesn't really say much, right? It's not really a movie. The, the message of the movie is what persistence pays off. How many times we've seen that message before? A hundred million times. I'm saying it's adding nothing new to the equation. Um, oh, it certainly wasn't a new equation. It's a retread. By and not, it's not a retread. It's 
very similar to a lot of movies that have already been made, a.k.a. Interstellar, Gravity. Yada, they even yada, had yada. similar actors to Interstellar. Basically the same cast as Interstellar. <laughs> and I thought it was I thought it was great, don't get me wrong. Very fun, big Ridley Scott fan, big Matt Damon fan. I thought Matt Damon was... He's more deserving of the Best Actor award than the movie is of... Oh, the Best Picture the nod? Best Picture. Interesting. I'm not sure if I agree with that. Well, I, I think that for a, a film to win Best Picture, it ought to say something that is important. It ought to have a message that not necessarily is brand new, but actually hits home. And I don't think that this even really comes close to doing wow. that, quite frankly. Interesting. And that's where that's where I fault the movie, is that I just don't think it really... It's not, it was too formulaic? I mean, it was too... Similar. No, no, no. That's not too formulaic. It's just that... Trying to think of a parallel example. I mean, you can take a movie like Interstellar well, or Gravity a movie like or Gravity. Or I think that those similar. both work, but I think that Gravity deals with isolation a lot better than this. Than this deals with isolation. This makes it comedic, right? Where and Gravity, you really felt alone. You were happy when right. it got when they got to Earth. This was like, okay, it's the movie's done. It was also isolation, isolationist. I don't know if that's a word. Isolationist cinematography really came more to the fold in Gravity than it did here. I really like Emmanuel Lubezki as a cinematographer. He shot Gravity, and he also shot Birdman, and he shot The Revenant this year. He's probably going to win the three-peat, which is pretty crazy. Anyways, so this is hard for The, Mar- the Martian wasn't going to live up to that. I just think that The Martian didn't really, just didn't bring anything new to the table for me. I thought it was a really fun movie with a great cast. A couple of hilarious cameos. Kristen Wiig comes out of nowhere in that movie. Yeah. She's, like the media, she's the media person for NASA. Jeff Daniels, as we talked about, I think I always think is miscast. I don't. Why do you say that? I love Jeff Daniels. Really, love is the nah, word. That's strong. That's a strong word. <laughs> he's I thought he was the best part of the Steve Jobs movie. True, but this I is he was pretty pretty solid as Scully. But he he also in this role he's just sort of that generic like white guy that doesn't really get what's going on. That's in charge of NASA. Yeah, it's not that he doesn't really get what's going on. So he's He's slightly corrupt in the film, right? Not necessarily. Not corrupt. Corrupt's not, corrupt, not the right but he word. Ha- he, has, he doesn't have Matt Damon's best priorities. Right. He doesn't. Ex- exactly. I, I, that's the right way of phrasing it. So Matt, I'm, so Matt Damon's stuck on Mars, and he's not. I he think by mind. all means, if you ask me, Jake, do you recommend The Martian for a friend? Ten out of ten times, I say yes. Ten well, out of ten. But this, but this, brings in, this brings in another point about best picture. How much does enjoyability matter it matters a ton but there are other enjoyable because movies, right? i think we'll see that with the revenant we'll review that separately but we'll review that separately but this movie was a blast i loved it i it was totally agree i just don't think that it brought it i think that there it didn't bring anything new yeah just in, just in i would have my life is not affected by having watched this movie i think i think matt damon should get a serious consideration for best actor for this is he nominated uh, i believe he is jacob you could double check that that would be great but the thing, the thing about it is so few actors can hold that much screen time. Joaquin Phoenix... He, he is nominated. For he some is, reason, I th- he's not nominated for a SAG award. That's what I was confused with. So he is nominated for Best Actor, but he's on screen for so long of this movie. And there are few... Joaquin Phoenix and her, Tom Hardy and Locke, <laughs> which I love. I love I'm a big Tom Hardy fan. Yeah. Jake, is, Jake is less of a Tom Hardy no, fan. No, it's not that. More of a, less of a Locke Moving on. <laughs> we'll talk Locke at a later date. 
But that's pretty much the only other note I have from the movie is I wish Donald Glover had been in it more. But maybe that's just because I like Donald Glover. I see. I don't think he's a very good actor. Really? Yeah. You, because I don't really love his rapping is fine. I think he's also a bad rapper. Right. He, he, yeah. He's. Me- I think he's medium talented across the board. You don't. You don't like him. You don't think his comedy is. He's funny? better in comedy stuff. I think he's not. I think he's a very mediocre at best dramatic actor. Um. All right. Well, I wish, but I wish he had had a bigger role because so he was sort of—he was one of those characters that kind of came out of nowhere and then wasn't as explained as I wish he was. What would you give this out of ten? I'd give it. I gave Bridge of Spies a seven. I'd give this an eight. I'd give this a, a seven and a half. I think. Okay, and you gave Bridge of Spies a six. So we've both. Well, this is a l- better than Bridge of Spies. Not going to be the best movie we reviewed. Uh, and that's, I think next week we'll probably what take a look at Revenant. You okay doing that? I'm down for whatever, man. Right. Totally down for All Revenant. All right, we'll take a look at Revenant. Huge Leo fan. Huge Leo <laughs> advocate. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it more, but if he did all that all that stuff and he doesn't win Best Actor, I don't know what he what he has else left go up in his a hole sleeves. and cry. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right, well, uh, we will be back with our talk about the Iowa caucus, uh, and we're also going to get a dessert in that time. But we, oh. <laughs> which I'm excited Thank you about. for the reminder. But we will be right back. This is Schmears the Deal. Most of all, I believe in this president. Now, I know there's some polls out there saying that that this man has a 32% approval rating. But guys like us, we don't, we don't pay attention to the polls. We know that, that polls are just a collection of statistics that reflect what people are thinking in reality. And reality has a well-known liberal bias. Welcome back to Schmears the Deal. I'm still Jake Seawalk. He's still Nick Feynman. We're, We're still, still at H&H Bagels, H&H Midtown Bagels. East, 81st and 2nd Avenue, although we have a little bit of a different spread at the table on our return. We've graduated from our bagels and spread and fish, and we've moved on to a dessert pretty traditional dessert. We've moved on to the black and white cookie. I would say my favorite dessert, personally. Really? It's, yeah, a, it's a great one. Uh, you you want to pick your side? I just split... For the, the people obviously can't see this that are listening, we have split down the middle. We have half so we black, each have, half white. Yeah, of course. What are we, savages? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Some people really only... Eat one side? Really only eat one side. Mm, that's a good cookie. It's a very good cookie. You also chose easily the best of the two sides. I chose the smaller of the two. Oh, please. Yes, Which one did you choose? Did you choose this one or this one? Oh, you this did choose... Why yeah, did you choose that one? Because I chose the smaller one because it's... I'm trying to be the mensch, not the schmuck, Jake. I'm always trying to be the I schmuck. Just, I just took the victory bite schmuck after vibes. that after that comment. All right, let's move on to Iowa caucuses. I'm so, going to let you dig into it. So we want to talk a little bit about the Iowa caucus this week. So it is February 1st, which is next Monday. And there's a lot still to happen politically, but we want to talk a little bit about the process of the Iowa caucus and also ask a couple of questions about it. Because if you, didn't, if you haven't done a deep dive into the Iowa caucus before... There are a lot of questions, both about the democratic process very, and not a lot of answers. <laughs> very few answers. So let's start with, I guess, where we stand, and then we will divulge from the political aspect of it. The newest polls, and this is Thursday. Which poll is this? Before this is the NBC Wall Street Journal poll. Has Trump in the lead? Uh, he's thirty-two percent. Cruz with twenty-five percent. Rubio with eighteen percent. But he is growing. Rubio is. He's trying to make a last stand. And on the Democratic side, Clinton is at 48%, Sanders is at 45%, but that is within the margin of error, so it's sort of a toss-up at this point. 
And a lot margin of error was what four point seven percent. Correct. And that, so it could swing in either direction with that. And so there's a lot that can happen politically. But I did read an interesting article in five thirty eight earlier this week about how much you could actually move up or down in the polls in the last week before the caucus. What did they say? It suggests that by and large, not much. Although there is exception to that. <laughs> so well, the Trump thing tonight, which I guess we can talk about briefly. So Trump is breaking off from the debate tonight, which when this comes out tomorrow, let's this would have already happened. Well, let's just talk about it briefly. Right. And Trump has sort of once again taken a different stance from the normal political route and is having his own thing. He's having his own fundraiser for veterans mm-hmm. funds. Two, two veterans funds have come, out, have come out already and said they will not be accepting donations from it. But Mike Huckabee will be joining him. It's exactly opposite of the debate. And Jake, just really quickly, good idea or bad idea? And why? I'm inclined to say bad idea. I'm not a political expert, though, so what do I know? I I, I can't see how it helps him. Well, I I can see how having the the fundraiser helps him as opposed to doing nothing at all. I don't see how doing something different than the debate helps him. I just don't get it. Well, the, the argument I think it's because he doesn't like the... It was because he didn't like the moderator, correct? Right. Megyn Kelly, 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 who's one, one of the Fox moderators. ...was going to hurt him. But I just don't... I, I just don't... I don't buy it. I think, I think that he used him that. trying to go for attention, which could work. I mean, I don't, again, I'm not a political expert, so who am I to say? But... I Well, I think it's... I will just say I think it's a very... It's on point with what he's been doing, which is turning the world against the media sort of he creates an aura of i'm do- getting the best deal for myself as po- and this is him he says getting the best deal for himself and alluding to the art of the deal which is a very popular book he wrote the one thing i'll say is this seems to me a little bit more like a hail mary when he is already in the lead and he can just that see that's coast. what that's what, i totally agree with that i think that's a perfect way of summarizing it I have no, really nothing to add to that. Okay, so let's get into the Iowa caucuses themselves. So they only count for about 1% of the nation's delegates, which is kind of interesting. But they hold a lot of sway because they are the first the first voting action on the Democratic and Republican race. So mm-hmm. they happen February 1st. More than 1,500 precincts come out and hold caucuses. The Republican side is actually pretty straightforward. They come. They have to show up at a certain time to get together. I would say it's straightforward in comparison to, comparison the, Democratic to the Democratic one. side. They come forward and uh, they gather all together and they vote on a secret ballot, and that is how they record it. And they go. They go forward from there. Rick Santorum won in 2012, which only after it was declared a draw initially. Which 34 sin- votes separated himself and Mr. Romney, who eventually won. Republican nomination. But Santorum actually credits that the the initial draw, the initial draw, with really hurting his campaign, and they are changing how they bring in the votes this year on to? both sides to Microsoft. Yeah, Microsoft, Microsoft is taking off; it's going to be in the cloud, and Microsoft is betting a lot on their system to be a big publicity stunt for them. And it's just how they report it. Before they were just cut; there would be an automated call in and. Now, Microsoft, it'll be in the cloud, which is interesting. We'll see how that goes. And that could change how caucuses are done moving, moving forward. forward. Yeah. So the Democratic side is very different from the secret ballot, though. Basically, first of all, turnout doesn't matter. They get five delegates per per precinct, which is, I think, interesting. If 10 people matter, or right. 100,000 show up. They're divided into groups based on preference, and essentially in a gym. 
I, so if you go to our Facebook page, Schmears the Deal on Facebook, <laughs> I we have a video up called Inside a Caucus from 2012 Iowa Caucus. Good and stuff. it shows what goes on in a caucus. They're literally on a basketball court in right. a school gymnasium. And it's, it's like, and you it's break cool. up by who you support. If in general, and this you just go to different corners of the room, basically. If you have less than fifteen percent of the vote, you most of the time, depending on the precinct, disband, and you have to join. You have to walk over to a different corner of the gym, which cannot be, in my opinion, just cannot be democracy. There's so many things. Well, peer pressure. That's I think part of it. I think part of it. I think I think that's kind of the point, though, right? Is that you're able to be influenced day of. Right, but. I personally think democracy should be, I guess, blind. You should be it able to say whatever you want. who gets the last word in your ear. <laughs> right, which it'll be interesting to see I whether agree. or not that actually benefits Trump, who always has the last word in person, but are the people that support him going to be like that? But so basically, by the end of it, after the 15%, they split up. People can argue for one person or another to go into their corner. And the delegates, the five delegates, are then broken up and reported but interestingly they're not actually chosen who the final delegates actually go to until the end of the process when they hold a state convention so those five delegates go they can be split up among the candidates if if there is a divide there are a lot of questions about the iowa caucus in general as far as being the first the first vote and also the influence it holds as a result and the main question becomes, is it, first of all, one of the first critiques is, is it democracy? Because there are a lot of, there are a lot of issues with how, there are a lot of issues in general with how it's chosen. First of all, you all, you have to show up at an exact time, which is tough if people are working as opposed to voting all day. Do you consider this a problem for the democracy? What specifically? The, co- the, co- the, the caucus? caucus? The, I actually am... I wouldn't say that I'm an advocate for it. I just would say that I'm not as much of an advocate against it. I think that there's... I think there's more to it than just a simple ballot that I that I think works, especially given that it's the first one. Because I think that people are significantly more involved and kind of take it personally... I would not take it personally, but really take the time to make an invested decision as opposed to just lining up and punching a hole in a piece of paper or right. nowadays due to the hanging Chad fiasco of 2000, punch a bunch of things in an electronic system. I think there's a lot more to it than that. I think that it's there's something very nice and reassuring about the fact that the, the state of Iowa genuinely cares about the Iowa caucus and people they put a lot of basically it's basically a statewide holiday where people take off from work and and school etc and really participate in this and take the time to measure which candidate they want to support and yes sure it can be influenced by peer pressure but that's I think that's okay I think I really do I think that that's just a result of one concerned citizen trying to affect another citizen and there's in my opinion absolutely nothing wrong with that and so I'm a pretty so you think it aids the democratic process then in some ways yeah because it makes people more involved than just sure 
I really do. I, I think that there's a lot to be said for it. I really do. I think that there are certainly flaws. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot. There's a lot that goes for it, and. If something is going to have such national clout, something's really going to get the ball rolling in the presidential election, which is w- the single most important election. And in general, obviously. people still care about. They do. Of they course. don't always compare, but care about government in general. But the I know the national election. I, I, right. I don't mean that as a slight to the other forty-nine states, but there is a lot to be said about basically taking a day and holding essentially. 1600 individual conferences to decide who they want to vote for so that's my two cents well in the iowans pride themselves on narrowing down the field not necessarily that's one of the things they think their caucus really does and that's honestly what it does do right so i I don't think that this is a big dropping out point for a lot of people right and and that's what it really needs to be looked at as opposed to something where a lot of people a lot of people that note the flaws in it note it as not a sound way to nominate someone but that's ultimately not what they're doing right they're right they're not they're they don't have although if you do look back they don't have ultimate clout they don't have ultimate clout they have more decision making as to whom drops out following the then they do who wins. they do well, who so wins. okay a little trivia what do Bill Clinton, George H.W. Bush, and Ronald Reagan all have in common compared to, in relation to the Iowa caucus? They didn't win? They all lost the Iowa caucus and still won the nomination. For Although I will say, I think you're looking at 92, Bill Clinton. Yeah. The guy that won was a was he, he was either a senator or a governor from Tom Harkin. Right. Was he the senator? I think he was a, I want to believe that he was a senator. He was a senator. He was a senator from Iowa. So that has to be taken with a... Decent still, grain of salt. Still, though, it's still, uh, still. Of course, yeah, yeah. He still did not win. Uh, he did also finish behind Paul Tsongas. So, <laughs> and I wonder if any of our listeners know who Paul Tsongas <laughs> is. So, that is important to note. I, but if you do look back, Mitt Romney draw won the won the nomination. George Bush in two thousand won the nomination. Won the caucus. Bob Dole in ninety six won the caucus, won the nomination. Ronald Reagan, although that was unopposed in 84. By and large, if you win, you win the nomination. Yeah. But it it does do more if you look at the names at the ends of the list. They almost always drop out following the caucus. And again, that's... that's So they narrow narrow down the field. That's the, I'd say, the biggest point of, not confusion, but when those that really fault the Iowa caucus fault it, they do so based on its ability to nominate someone, not on its ability to cause someone to drop out, and I think that that's why it's a pretty important piece of our election cycle. Absolutely. Alright, and uh, with that, we're going to move on to the final toast. Jake, who are you final toasting? I am final toasting Eamon Bundy and those (laughs) at the militia standoff in Oregon they have been disbanded Eamon Bundy is in custody it's all over toast goes to you and he's asking he's at, he's making sure people stay away from him he's yeah, asking saying, people to asking step away to go home well that was a topic we covered a couple of weeks ago a couple weeks ago so that that has run its course my final toast goes to movies as we know it 
may they rest in peace. At Sundance this year, Amazon and Netflix were big spenders. They were. They're the, the two biggest spenders. Correct. Amazon has five films. Netflix has three. And they're saying this is really going to supercharge the indie film business. They also drove up the price of pretty much everything else. Great news for me. <laughs> the NDS. Good news. <laughs> they're supercharging Jake, which we're all, we're all pumped about. All right, and um, I'm pretty sure that's going to do it for us. Next week, we're going to be back with our Super Bowl preview. And, we'll be at Tompkins Square Bagels. We'll be at Tompkins Square Bagels doing an interview with the owner. Yeah, that'll well. be our opening segment. So uh, that's it for us. Um, I'm Nick Feynman. He's Jake Seahawk. We will do better next time. And stay toasty out there. Schmear's The Deal is brought to you this week by H&H Bagels in the Upper East Side of New York City. It is produced by Jacob Seawalk and Nick Feynman in association with Team Panther Productions. A special thanks this week to Trevor Noah and Stephen Colbert. For more information, please visit schmearsthedeal.com or subscribe on iTunes. <laughs>